You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is, is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? From the team that brought you the award-winning show Retro Replay and the Emmy-nominated comedy series Con Man comes a new idea just crazy enough to be good. Introducing Couch Soup. I know, I know, you're probably wondering, what is Couch Soup? Well, Couch Soup is content for your hungry nerd soul. Daily articles from fans, not pundits. Weekly podcasts that contain a multiverse of opinions on all things pop culture. Exclusive videos and weekly live streams where we laugh, scream, and sometimes have technical difficulties. All created by folks like you. The gamers, the film nerds, the TV bingers, comic book lovers, bookworms, and pop culture enthusiasts, all in one giant bowl of beautiful, disgusting, soupy goodness at CouchSoup.com. All Things Alice. This podcast will explore the cultural phenomenon of Alice in Wonderland as artistic landmark and global symbol of inspiration and imagination. I'm your host, Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy. Let's explore what is it about Alice? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show this week. I'm going to be joined by Fernando del Rosario. He is an artist, first and foremost. He is an art director. He's a teacher. He has a nonprofit. He has an ad company called Concept Zombie. Now, Fernando created the logo for Hatter Madigan Ghosts in the Hatbox, which was a really interesting experience. We're going to talk about creation. We're going to talk about imagination. We're going to talk about the fear of failure and how that can be one of the great drivers to create something that's meaningful, lasting, and can have an impact on your life and on culture. Now, that's a lot to talk about, so let's just jump in. Hey, Fernando, welcome to the show. Fernando, before we get started, or to get us started, yeah. I would you have two kids, right? Yeah. You right have there. Sylvia? Uh, Sophia. Sophia. She was a beta reader for me. Yes. And she wrote a whole report that we'll talk about. And your other child? Brandon. Brandon. And who's the oldest? Uh, Brandon by one minute. Oh, <laughs> And and he will and he he will not hesitate on letting people know that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's very cool. So my to start us off, I would like you to tell us how your kids would describe your job. Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> and I, I think they would say this uh, pretty much uh, in the same uh, type of language or same at least uh, the same type of thought and meaning. 
they'll say that uh, I get the I get paid to play. <laughs> yeah. And do they think uh, when, that's pretty cool? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, well, and from the very young age, uh, I've, I've always showed them what it is that I do, whether it be from a, a designer, an art director, creative director. Um, you know, I would bring them with me to uh, whether it be uh, at the office. And, and then every time I walk, you know, they walk into my office or my my uh, cubicle, you know, th- just like how I have it here. I would have toys. I would have just all these artwork and uh, comic books and movie posters and all that stuff. And um, so they were always been kind of exposed to that. Um, and then down to like when I opened up my own company and and even uh, as an educator, the way I teach, uh, it, all of that is, it looks, they, every time they watch me work, quote unquote work, it looks like I'm just having fun and, have, and playing a game. Yeah, you know, so they say it's me just playing. And do they do they comment on other parents or parents that work? And how is it that dad figured out a job that is a play job? Oh, that's an interesting thought. I you know it's it's funny because I think for the most part, and then they're pretty they're pretty uh, uh, common about this. Is that is, and then you have kids too. It's like it's just all about their universe and their world. Right. So I don't know if they necessarily compare and contrast, Okay. Uh, you know, what their friends, uh, parents did and things like that. But, you know, I do, I, I have heard them talk about it is what it is that I do. And they, and they talk about it with, with in a sense that it makes me smile because I think they got the essence of what it is that I do and, and how I do it, you know? Well, I think we have that in common. We have a lot of things in common, but I think that we have that in common because, you know, I have, I have a similar, I'll have a bookshelf, I'll have a lot of art, I'll have things inspired from my novels, they'll see artwork, they'll see a trailer, they'll see something you and I worked on, they'll get to comment on, oh, whether it's cool or not cool, or what they would like, or it doesn't fit in their mind or their imagination, what they expected. And so, it's 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 a more dynamic interaction with them because it's not stocks and bonds or selling insurance mm-hmm. or, you know, even being a doctor, which lets, you know, doctors, one of my daughter's best friends, both of the parents are doctors and, you know, they interact with other kids. They're pediatricians, but it's not like what you and I get to show. Hey, I found yeah. this piece of art. This was sent to me by an artist today. And they're like, whoa, whoa, that's super <laughs> right. cool. Or that doesn't look anything right. like I imagined the character, dad. Well, I got, I got to tell you, Frank, that I mean, having Sophia be a beta reader for one of your books, I mean, that, that was like kind of mind blown moment for her. You know, I re- and I remember, and, I, and I, I'm, a, I'm a storyteller too. And I, the way I presented it to her, it wasn't just like, oh yeah, here, here you go. You know, you get, to, it's like, no, no. It's like, this is an opportunity, Sophia. I mean, this is you like, you're reading this before anybody else gets to read it. And so I really kind of pump it up because that's part of it. That's part of the the storytelling. And so I think I, I'll have to find that photograph if you don't have it. But, you know, I think I sent you a picture of her in her room, all in the dark with just her iPad light, you know, reading it and just really being into it. That was a really great moment to receive that photograph because it did look like the perfect ad for any library, for any author, 
yet she was reading my book. So just so the audience knows, so a beta reader is somebody that, you know, as a novelist, you the publisher will send it out to a number of readers that are either fans of fantasy fiction or the author and ask the readers to, you know, answer some questions. For instance, here are some of the questions I asked your daughter. Which themes in the book did you connect with? She said, anxiety over doing well and taking tests, which is pretty great because, you know, as a middle school kid or writer, you're trying to find themes and things that are relatable, despite the fact that this is a huge fantasy world that's called Wonderland. The next thing she uh, question, which which characters did you identify with and why? And she said, Hatter because he was helpful to his friends, with his friends, especially when they were getting beat up. And then Astra, because she had turquoise hair and she seemed always happy. And Newton, because he was blind, but he was still really smart and that didn't stop him. That's awesome. That's pretty awesome. And then I asked, would you recommend this book to your friends? If so, how would you describe it? And she wrote this. Hatter Madigan, Ghost in the Hatbox, was the best book ever, exclamation point. I said, okay, did dad pay for that? I got to ask him. <laughs> did, was it the fact that we were working together? So I kind of dismissed that a little bit. It was action-packed and makes you feel how the main character, Hatter Madigan, was feeling. Nervous, happy, sad, scared. Frank Bedore did it all. This was the best book ever, and I'm so sad that it ended. And then, and then the last thing was, she said, editor's note. <laughs> this is my favorite. <laughs> On page 24 of the book, the PDF page 37, there were two periods at the end of one sentence. <laughs> so how much detail does that tell you that your daughter reads? All right. That was epic. That, that is so, first of all, I, uh, thank you for sharing that because I don't think I've read I've read her review, um, and so this was really it's all fresh, uh, hearing it fresh. And now for our, your audience, you know, she was in middle school when you, when she did that, so she is she's eighteen, getting ready to leave for college, and 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 this this is kind of a nice look back, right? Because what she's actually studying is so she's a swimmer, she's a competitive swimmer, and uh, she's going to swim for college, and wow. her. Yeah. That's exciting. That's not, that's a tough sport. That's really yeah. impressive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and she's, she's a distance swimmer. So oh. she's one of those crazy folks that swims a whole mile. Wow. Right. And in, in less than what I think eight minutes or something wow. crazy like that. Right. So she's kind of cuckoo like her dad uh, to begin with, but, uh, but her career path is she wants to become a coach, a swim coach. And, and so providing feedback, like I, I hear that with that filter, I hear her, her writing to, to your, to your book and her feedback is, I mean, it's true and true, Sophia, Yeah, you know, being able to kind of assess the situation and give like meaningful feedback and, uh, you know, and, and she's also seen me teach, you know, I, so I teach design, I teach marketing and advertising, and this is something that I've, I've shared both my kids is that. You know, I, we don't have time to sugarcoat. I mean, I don't have time to sugarcoat. And the, the, the industry is real. The industry is, is you know, in many ways cutthroat. But, um, you know, it, to me, it's like 
no, you you make sure whatever it is you're giving, it's something meaningful, it's truthful, and it's helpful. You know, so it's really funny to see that. Okay. Hear that. Because you brought up your teaching and you mentioned you don't have time to sugarcoat. Well, let me first tell people what it is that you do, because you have a company called Concept Zombie. And I'm going to read from the homepage because I think it's pretty great. It says, Concept Zombie is a yes we can do it, in quotes, creative company. From creative problems solving of art direction and design to strategic media buying, Concept Zombie has the ability to scale up and down depending on the opportunity at hand. A contagious and positive mindset of the company, along with a tenacious and unrelenting work ethic, is the core of the founder, Fernando Del Rosario, Every single person on the team embodies these two traits, a positive mindset, work like your name is Elon Musk or J.K. Rawlings mentality. How can we creatively help you? And we can't wait to make something awesome for you. So tell me about that statement and how that embodies you as the founder, because it always starts from the top down and you certainly lay out the mindset very clearly, but how do you let that trickle down and how do you instill that in your employees moving forward? Well, a little bit of my background. So I am um, uh, the youngest of four kids. I was born in the Philippines. And when I was 11, our mother took all four kids on our own from the Philippines to the United States, Detroit, Michigan specifically, because you know, <laughs> the Philippines and Michigan. They're, they're kind so, of the similar. Same, right? so similar. So <laughs> right. similar. Especially the winters. <laughs> right. Um, but it's it was one of those those moments. Like it, all of us were always in so many different moments of our lives, we were just hit that fork in the road. And sometimes that fork in the road is forced upon us, you know, whether whether it be uh, because we're young, whether or health or just the new, a better life, you know, my mom decided that uh, she will risk it all and and move us here in the United States for a better life for all four kids. Amazing. And, yeah. And, and, and then on top of that, you know, like we landed at LAX and, and we stayed in Long Beach for about a week. And, and then we eventually moved to Michigan um, because we had relatives there and we stayed with our aunt uh, and uncle and, and their family for a couple of months until we got, a, got our feet on a, uh, underneath us. And we ended up renting a house. And, you know, my mom was, along with, of course, some friends and support, was smart enough to rent a, a house in between the border of Detroit and Gross Point. Literally, I could step one side, I'll be in Gross Point. The other side would be Detroit. And the reason for that is because the Gross Point school system had a, you know, had a great school system. I learned photography, graphic design, illustration at a high school level. Wow. You know, so uh, which I don't think I would have had that opportunity if we were to live in Detroit proper. And so that kind of launch padded to being able to go to art school. But all that being said, I was having a conversation with someone uh this was a while ago and was asking me, he's like, why, why do you, why, why do you work so hard? Why, why do you, you know, why do you strive for so much? And I just kind of came up with the answer right there and then. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? I mean, yeah, I, I could just be quote unquote average or just do what is, is, is needed. 
but I could have done that in the Philippines. Mm. I could have been just average in the Philippines and really saved my mom headaches and heartaches and, and money aches. You know, this wasn't cheap, you know, and we started from the ground up. Um, and so coming to America was, you know, I, I want to say I literally have the American dream of being able to uh, have these opportunities in front of me and just taking advantage of it. And so that's the first kind of baseline, I guess you might call it. And so from there, you know, my company, I, I mean, I was, a, I was a company man. I, I did what I was supposed to do, go to work, go to school, get my degree, get a job, do well in that job so that other companies would want to work uh, with, you know, they would want me to work with them. And so I moved up the ranks. Was that a mindset that your mom instilled or that was because the entrepreneurial part of it is a lot more risk taking? Yeah. So was that a predetermined path that she thought or you thought because of what you were an immigrant, this is what you do? And then yeah. you turned it around to become more entrepreneurial or how do you separate from those two paths? Sure. Well, I think it's 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 a little bit of both. Yes. Um, it was one of those things that as we were here and, and I remember having this conversation with my oldest brother who, um, you know, who he did he did the the kind of um, uh, a community college route where he was in school for, I think, something like six to eight years, even you know before he got his degree. And I remember having this conversation with him when I got into art school. And I, and I wanted to do it full time so I could be done in four years. And I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. Uh, he'd said he said to me, he "Goes, why don't you just go part time and get a job so you can help out the family?" Mm. And and I looked at him and said, "Well, or why don't I just double down, finish this in four years, get a job so I can help the family even more, right?" Mm -hmm. And so. Um, the, the the mindset of 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 finishing school and getting a full time job with benefits was certainly instilled in me, but you're right. There was that entrepreneurial bug that was always inside of me, and again, that too is is a bit hereditary. Because uh, just a quick tangent here, you know, I find out recently uh, because my mom was over for graduation with the kids' graduation, and she was giving me a little bit of a background of my family in the Philippines and how I've my uncles and my grandfather owned their own set of businesses. And I asked her, it's like, man, it would have been great for me to know that because then <laughs> now I understood where this burning desire to start uh, yeah. came from. But, but it, it's going to go back. I did that route of going from one ad agency and design firm to another. But here's what's interesting is that about, um, I mean, about eight, nine years into my career, I was learning all these wonderful things, production, TV commercials, print medium, billboard, direct mail, all these things. And I was honestly, Frank, I was afraid that I wasn't going to retain these things that I was learning. And I don't know why I thought that. I just did. And I thought, okay, the best way for me to hold on to all the things that I was learning is to turn around and teach it to someone else to give it away. And so I didn't know how to do that. Um, I, th I figured I'll just call a, a university, a college, and I'll do some guest speaks. I'll do some guest lectures in the side type of thing. Well, fortunately, the Art Institute of Orange County just opened up a, a campus and they were just looking for people. They were mm. looking for people to fill in the, the classroom. And I went in for an interview. I said to them, basically, it's like, I've only been in the industry for eight years. I've learned all these things. I've 
no certification into teaching, uh, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to, you know, share, share your my, knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Share my knowledge. Well, they, they took, they gave, they took a risk. They gave me a one class a quarter and it just kept on going. And I've been teaching for the last 21 years. That's nonstop. amazing. And I, I understand um, that idea of teaching to learn and to retain because the first time I did school events and I would speak to 300 seventh graders, I felt a lot of pressure to deliver and to have something interesting and not to bore them, to entertain, to get their attention, and then figure out how to backdoor thematically a lesson of life that they may carry on with them. And in doing it, it forces you to really come up with the articulation and to put it into words and to put it into story so that they can receive it. And in doing that, it solidifies in you. And then suddenly you carry it with you as mm -hmm. if it's your name. Yep, absolutely. Well, and in, in addition to that is that, you know, you don't want to keep on telling the same story in the same way every right. time. Right. Right. You don't want to get into that autopilot mode. And especially in the, in the industry of, of design where it's always changing. Like, I mean, heck, the technology that we had uh, back when I started teaching 21 years ago is, is drastically different than the technology that we have now. And so I that within itself, I had to keep on adjusting and revising myself and my delivery and on what I was delivering and so on. So that was that was always really fun for me to kind of constantly evolve and change with the time. So I'm learning and, and, and sharing at the same time. And what's interesting with that is that it really started to really fuel a little bit more and more of my entrepreneurial spirit because what I was doing is I was basically creating a pipeline between the colleges and the universities and into the into the industry. So depending on where I was at, I would hire my top level layer students or I would give them, you know, uh, connections to the people, to mm -hmm. the agencies that I know that are looking for jobs. Well, fast forward to, you know, after doing that for good, I mean, 15, 16, 17 years, I started to open up, I, I, I became freelance and I started to acquire more clients and I started to hire my my students students right and, and so that's how i started to build my company and so to kind of go back to your original question you know how am i able to kind of relay the mindset of this top layer down well i actually went backwards <laughs> right. i'm bringing in from this from the student level because i'm teaching them this kind of mindset and this kind of work ethic and the people that are really getting it and they're really subscribing to it those are the ones i'm bringing into the company and to that's, that's, that's very clever, by the way, um, in terms of finding, being an early adapter. Hey, you, you have some talent. Come over here. Let me teach you about working hard because you're going to work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so in your, on your website, after your homepage, you have a mindset page. And it's a mindset page with a very nice photo of you when you were a little bit younger. Uh, less gray hair, very dashing t-shirt, but it's a, it's a page with a lot of very amusing, but helpful quotes that I'm going to share a couple. Uh, and there's one in particular that I absolutely love, but this one is, um, opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls. 
and looks like work. Thomas Edison, love that. And then one of my favorites is I can accept failure, but I can't accept not trying. Now, that's a Michael Jordan quote, and I'm a huge fan of Michael Jordan, but he has a few other quotes that I think are just as good, if not a little bit better. And I'm going to share one because it's long, so you'd never, well, there's two. The first one, the key to success is failure. Now, not everybody's going to understand that. I had a father that showed off his failures as a badge of honor, as if, hey, I'm not afraid to fail because every time I fail, it opens a door for a new opportunity. So from a very young age, he would just say, okay, let's just go a different route. I also played sports and I was on the U.S. ski team. So the reason I identify with Michael Jordan is because he was the greatest of all time, as far as I'm concerned. And so much of life has to do with the pressure. And when I was competing, there were skiers that were better than I was when we were practicing. But they weren't as good or strong when we were competing. And it's something that Michael Jordan talks about. And he said, I missed more than 5,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life. That is why I succeeded. And the reason he succeeded is because he didn't think about the consequences of missing the shot because he's so present in the moment. And as a creator yourself, as a writer, being lost in the moment, as Michael says when he gets on the basketball court, when you're lost in your art or you're lost in your writing, everything calms down, everything gets quiet. You can call it the zone, you can call it whatever you want, but it's that state of mind that's sort of pure that lets you start to create and find your imaginative power, the power to think something and then to create it. I thought that was a a, a great way to articulate mindset for somebody who's just coming into your website and you want to show off or you want to present how you think about the work at hand and how your employees slash students think about the work at hand. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, the, those, the collection of quotes in my, on my website, that's just the very, very tip of the iceberg. About, again, kind of early in my career as, as an art director, I started collecting uh, quotes. And actually it started off with, remember, we, we, you'd have a day planner. And there's always a little kind of inspirational business mm-hmm. quote in the top of my day, day planner. It's like, oh, that's interesting. So I started to type it out on this Word document. And this Word document would continue to grow, grow, grow. And I think I have something, something like a thousand, uh, you know, quotes from that, from that Word document. And what I would do actually is every time I come back from a quote unquote failed client meeting or, or just even like a, just a bad day, maybe presenting ideas, I would just pull up that, that Word document, scroll through one or two pages pick up a couple of those quotes and it's just kind of that brought me back out of it right right and and the, and the other quote I, I I also 
uh, like was, you know, I will fail my way to success. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just, it. it's like, you know, this is, this is an ongoing game that we are all in. There's not the, the, the end the end is when we're six feet under, right? Yeah. It's a and long so, game is your point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's an absolute long game. And we, when we find those moments of flow that, that you were talking about and that Michael Jordan is talking about, man, those are just so golden. You know, the artwork that I create, the artwork that I created for you and your, and your wife, and you know this of me, I make most of my artwork in the middle of the night at one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And I've figured out, at least for me, and this is not for everyone, that is the uh, easiest and fastest way for me to get into flow state mm-hmm. is, is in the middle. I call it the witching hour, Yeah. right? Because I know my phone isn't going to ring. My email isn't going to ding. I'm not going to get buzzed, you know? Anybody who has kids understands this, my friend. Yes. <laughs> if you have kids, the time to find the flow is after they go to sleep. So That's right. I don't think it has to do with emails. I think it has to do with children, yeah. young children. True that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and then the artwork that I create is like with with the patterns and, and seeing the, you know, seeing the, the, the pages of the comic books. And and when people ask me, it's like, wow, you know, do you, is there, is there a thought behind the pattern? Yeah. The answer is yes. There's thought in every panel before I lay it down. I, I asked myself internally, it's like, does this work with the panel prior to that? Okay. And- let me, let me set the stage. Let me just explain because, um, you know, we met in 2015 through my friend PJ Harzma's um, company, and I was looking for somebody to do a logo for the book that your daughter read, Ghost in the Hot Box. And you invited PJ and I to one of your shows and your artwork is comic book pages, and I want you to elaborate on where these pages came from, but comic book pages that you have taken out and collaged in your own way on these big panels or on surfboards. And we went to a uh, gallery opening of your artwork. And I absolutely, I took photographs of all of them. I came home and I showed them off. And I said to myself, one day I'm going to ask him to create a piece of art using my Hatter Madigan artwork from Ben Templesmith, uh, which, as you alluded to, it happened just a month ago. So it took me a few years to convince you because you're so busy, but uh, I, you finally came around. Now I'm teasing. Uh, you, <laughs> I, I, when I asked you, you, you went right straight to work and you delivered before our wedding and it's hanging in my house right now. But the artwork itself, when you say w- with the patterns and when you're cutting out the particular pages and what's going to be in the frame, um, that I think the audience will now be able to imagine in their mind taking hundreds of pages of comics and then reassembling them into a piece of artwork that looks from a distance. It has a kind of interesting symmetrical vibe, but then when you come in close, you, you're picking and choosing. Is it an action shot? Is it a, uh, is it a thought bubble? You know, so go through the process 
now as you're describing it so people understand, uh, listeners understand um, what that art looks like. And by the way, I will put this up on the website. I'll do a uh, Q&A with us and I'll show off all your art because I'm a huge fan. Awesome. Well, if you don't mind, I, I love to kind of go back a little bit yeah. as far as the the the, the really the the catalyst of, yeah, of this art form. As a fellow nerd, I mean, I was a comic book reader uh, back in middle school, high school. This was back in the 80s and 90s. And so I grew up reading all these comic books. Um, and I was I was both for DC and Marvel. Uh, it was really about a combination of obviously the story and the art itself, um, what drew me to it. And so after done, I finished collecting comic books and I kind of moved on to college, moved out of the house, moved to California. I came home one day back in Michigan to visit my mom and she showed me these two giant bins of my comic books in our basement. And they were all water damaged. They were, they were read through. They weren't really worth anything except for I still have the first issue of Deadpool's appearance. So I've kept that. Oh, wow. Uh, I have that sealed. Is that I in have good that shape? Ready. It's in great shape. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, but I didn't have the heart to throw them away, to give them away. They weren't worth anything to sell. And so I asked my mom, I was like, just hold on to them for a minute for me and, and I'll figure out something to do with them. And so I came back home and I remember I was driving on the 405. As I was exiting my exit, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and uh, what it was, and again, going back to all those thousands of quotes that I have of real life heroes, you know, from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to JFK to Maya Angelou. And they've said all these amazing, wonderful quotes, inspirational quotes. Uh, I had this thought to myself of like, wow, those are real life heroes. And I have all these comic book collections from fictional superheroes like Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, the X-Men. What if I created something that kind of merges these two worlds together? And so I kind of let that simmer in my head. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've always enjoyed patterns as a graphic designer. I've always loved world patterns, whether it be the golden circle, the golden mean, or whether it be the, the, the flower or the universe itself. You know, there's some beautiful imagery and, and, and patterns. And so I started to just kind of imagine, reimagine what that could look like as an art form. So I asked, I called my mom, I asked her, I like, could you ship all that, all those comic books over? 150 pounds of comic books. Wow. <laughs> you were a big reader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. It all came, came over here and I start, and, and, and Frank, I haven't made a dent. I have made hundreds of artwork, art, art pieces, large pieces, and I haven't made a dent to my collection. And, but there, they are actual, the, each pages, except for the commission pieces like yours, but every piece that I've created are from my own collection. And again, the reason for that, the intention behind that was that this was my way of sharing what gave me joy as a, as a kid mm -hmm. to the public, right. reimagining it, you know? That's a little bit nostalgic too, because you have all these um, emotions and feelings and memories from being a middle school kid and they're putting it in your artwork. And isn't that one of the great things about being an adult and having a job where you play? You get to keep that spirit in your day-to-day -day life, which is why you have a very open and accessible kind of personality that sort of, you know, 
breeds this, this, I want to hang out with that guy. I want to create <laughs> stuff with that guy. I want to work with that guy. <laughs> well, thank you. And, 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 you know, it goes back to, I, I, oh, that, I love that. I love the way you just articulated that because it's very reflective of the art that I create because you said it earlier too, from a distance, you see this this giant piece would, you know, whether it be a ray or whether it be this circular piece, whether it be a couple of, of star lights that kind of is coming together and it brings you in, right? It brings you in from a distance. And as you get closer, the art changes Yes, because you start to see details of it. You start to see, oh, well, this connection moves over to here and, and so on and so forth, you know? So your experience of how you, you see, you, you see the art from, 10 feet away is completely different than how you experience the art from two feet away. And, and, and every and yeah, time you look exactly. at the art, when especially when you step up, your eye is drawn to another aspect of it, which leads you to another, to another pattern of seeing the artwork, which is why I find it so um, mesmerizing. Thank you. Yeah, I, it's, it gives me joy. And again, I, I feel like I'm able to accomplish that really when I'm in the zone and I'm in the flow undistracted where I'm able to really intentionally put these moments where it draws you or puts you off over here or puts you off over there, you know? You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo season two based on the watching now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is fucked. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. There's the water on this planet. What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? Let me ask you something about um, about imagination and how imagination, uh, how it, what role it plays in creation and art. Um, you know, in my book series, imagination's a big deal. Imagination is, you know, a, a power source. It's a magic system, and one of the reasons that I landed on imagination was people would often ask, "Hey, how did you come up with that idea?" As you just described, how did you come up with the idea of the artwork? And you were pulling off the road and it just hit you. And, you know, that's an imaginative inspiration, but you haven't created anything yet. It's just the, it's just the seed of imagination. And so imagination has spawned all sorts of things, everything. Um, and there's a, there's, since we're on the top of, of quotes, one of my favorite imagination quotes is, imagination is the beginning of creation, which is exactly what happened for you as you drove off the road. You imagine what you desire, you will what you imagine, and at last you create what you will. That's George Bernard Shaw. You have to have the imaginative 
spark. You have to be courageous enough not to fail, not to be worried about failing, what Michael Jordan said. And then you have to trust your imaginative impulse and you're going to create what you're going to create and you're going to see where it takes you. And you have spectacular art, like you said, 100 pieces, and you commissioned something for me that I absolutely love that's, what is it, three by nine? This enormous piece that uh, (laughs) is perfect for this wall. And I get really excited about sharing this with listeners, the idea that it's right there. You just have to act on it. You just have to trust it. And you have to be willing to fail. Imagination is obviously obviously one of my favorite words also, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's so inspiring and, and, and it's just so motivating. And at the same time, I, I, I dare to say, it's so freaking scary. It's so sometimes debilitating. Explain how how do you see why do you say that? I don't know. I can't tell you how many times where I look at a blank canvas, uh, and then whether and when I say blank canvas, it could be a blank canvas for my artwork. It could be a blank screen on my computer. It could be a blank piece of paper before I start sketching, and. Everything is clear as day in my head on what that art piece, that design, that concept, that idea looks like. But that blank canvas, because to your, to, like you said, exactly what you said, after that imagination state, after coming up with a concept and idea, now you have to execute it. Now you have to pen to paper, do it. And that, excuse my friends, shit is, that shit's scary, right? <laughs> uh, in, in, in so many different ways and so many different levels. One, because I'm not immune to doubt. I'm not immune to uncertainty. I, I'm not immune to fear by no means. And so that is very much prevalent in every step of the way. And that fear of, what if this shit doesn't turn out the way I imagine it in my head? You know, what if this art after four hours, five, eight hours, you know, I, I got to tell you, when I'm making your art piece, the nine foot piece, every step of the way, I was scared because, you know, what if this panel doesn't work as well as the other panels? Yeah, I would have fucked know? you up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> crap. <laughs> <laughs> the wedding is going to be ruined. Oh, my God, it's going to be my fault. Hatter would have shown up. Hatter would have come for a visit. He, he wouldn't have liked that shit. You know, like, you're, who you're, is you're, this you're, guy? You're, your wedding guest is going to be like, this is terrible. <laughs> the wedding is awful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but that that's what I mean as far as it being a double-edged sword that as wonderful as it is in my head and, and, and amazing it is, now I have to take every step of the way to bring it to life. And every step of the way is freaking scary. Yeah, but I, I disagree a little bit because I would take, I'll just parse that out. I would rather have the uh, powerful, the imagination and the ideas coming to me and take the hit of failing than not having the the ideas coming at all. Because a lot of times, at least when I talk to some writers, it's like, how do you come up with your stories? And I'm saying stories are everywhere. It's how you, how you receive them and how you think about it. So to your point, yes, I might write, you know, a really crappy book that's going to sit in a shelf and I mean, in a drawer somewhere and I'm never going to show it to anybody or, and I've had a zillion ideas like that that I've started and I went, really? No, I'm not doing this. 
but I'll take the imaginative impulse over the, I don't know what to do with this stuff. I think yes. I'll just go back to, you know, my day job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, that's just it, right? It's, it's, do you, do you uh, count on the fear of not doing it or the fear of, of, of uh, failing, trying to do it and failing at it? I'll, I'll do, I'll do the trying it and failing at it. That, that, I'll bet on that all the time. Because don't remember that John Lennon had a, a, a great quote about imagination, which was reality leaves a lot to the imagination, <laughs> which is just saying, I'm going to yeah. live in this imaginative world because yeah. reality sucks most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. well, it brings us back to the, the thought of like, this is part of play. Yeah. Right. This is it. This is, this is part of, of, of having fun playing. You, my career is a career of play and having fun along the way. And yeah. It's, okay. It's, so this is a podcast about Alice in Wonderland. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Alice as a muse. One thing, Alice is in all parts of pop culture. So when you're designing, you must have come across Alice must have been an idea somewhere for an ad company, you know, for an ad or a commercial or a reference or, you know, phraseology or something. Mm -hmm. So give me one of your early introductions to Alice and yeah. any ways you've used Alice in your professional life. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, as you can imagine, just like many hundreds of kids, I mean, um, Disney was an integral part of, of growing up watching disney movies and and i'm gonna say something that you it might end up in the editing floor here for you but um alice in wonderland was something that was not interesting to me as an early a young, as a child and it and I've, and I've done a lot of soul searching why that is you know and here's what's and i'm still kind of unpacking this and i think the reason why is because of exactly what you said, the imagination side of it. As I look back on my relationship and my mindset or, or what I think about the Alice in Wonderland story, more and more as I got older and older, I can relate to Alice herself specifically mm -hmm. about going down that rabbit hole and all of a sudden being transported into this magical, crazy, imaginative world. And that type of scared me as a kid. Mm -hmm. I didn't find that interesting as a kid. I found it actually scary as a kid, you know? And that's the reason why that, that specific movie was never that interesting to me because it scared the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until when I kind of grew some maturity, you know, grew some courage and some bravery where I started watching the movies, getting really into the storyline of it, where I understood it better, but I felt like I had to mature to it because it scared the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward to now who I am now and how this has influenced my creativity, influenced my, uh, my job. I've doubled, I've leaned into that fear. I've leaned into that uncertainty of coming into this rabbit hole and not knowing what's in the other side. Mm -hmm. And right. when you do, when I do end up in that other side, I'm like, this is really, really cool, really, really interesting. Still scary, but really, really cool and really interesting. And it, that inspires me. 
Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be on the editing floor because uh, I've told the same story uh, over and over, which is, uh, you know, it was my grandmother's name was Alice. It was my grandmother's favorite book, my mom's favorite book because of it. So I had to read it, you know, when I was 10 or 11. While you were lucky enough to be reading Marvel in DC, I was reading uh, Alice in Wonderland about a girl who falls on a rabbit hole. And I was just not interested. I was, you know, I, I wanted some some real excitement and I wanted more of a heroic character. She seemed to me to be very passive and things were happening to her. Um, but like you, as at, when I went to college and I reread the book, I started to really appreciate thematically what it had to say about, you know, who are we and about that journey. And then, of course, um, Alice in Wonderland is so deeply seated in pop culture. And that's really interesting about how often we say down the rabbit hole uh, for all kinds of reasons. Or Wonderland itself is associated with magical place or something really great to do, like, you know, going to a theme park. So I started off disliking it. And, uh, and, and part of the reason that I wrote the book was sort of a revenge because my mom was alive at the time. I said, mom, I'm going to write a book that my, my 12 year old son is going to enjoy. <laughs> That's great. So, so, you know, I wanted to take the story and, and turn it into a, uh, it's still a, it's a queendom. Uh, women are in power. Alice is the lead character just needed some, you know, some cool character to support our lead female character. So Hatter Madigan was born and I thought, you know, he's got to have a cool weapon of some sort. And so, you know, I, I let the, I let the 12 year old who wanted to uh, exact some revenge and come up with the 12 year old version override the 20 year old version who's, you know, <laughs> wanted to, you know, enjoy the, the literacy of it all. Yeah. So how, you know, how fun is that, right? How, how fortunate are we? We're, we're almost like you're, you're, you're time traveling, right? You're, you're, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to draw from that past to, for the, it's, I love, it. I love the concept behind it. <laughs> so, um, well, that's what led us, uh, you know, after seeing your artwork, then I hired you and your company to come up with some logos, a logo or a look for, for Hatter Madigan, for like the teenage Hatter Madigan. And I'm really curious because you sent me, I'm going to say 20 different versions, uh, uh, all sorts of ways that you articulated Hatter Madigan. And I think a lot of listeners who are aspiring to create some business or create some piece of art, or they're always, you know, there's always the first thing is what's that logo? What's the What's the look? What does it communicate? And I don't know how to do that. I have no idea. But you ask me a whole bunch of questions. You read, you know, some, I gave you some ideas. I told you who the character was. How do you synthesize what you're asking of me? And I'm trying my best <laughs> to come up with something articulate for you to land on. And I always go, oh my God, I did not give that guy enough to inspire ant and yet you came back with 20 concepts how do you synthesize that i imagine it as like a filter i, I love asking questions and, and mind you 
you know, I, I was that kid and I was even in, early in my career where you know, I was I was always a shy kid. I think, you know, there's an introvert inside of me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And just yeah. like everybody else. Sure. Um, but fast forward to now where I do enjoy uh, asking questions and digging a little bit deeper. And, and yeah, you might have just a one word answer or you might have a paragraph of an answer for me. But what the way my brain and my creativity works is that as I get all of that information from you, it, it runs through this, this, like you said, synthesizing or filtering. And I'm such a visual person that I, it comes out as icons, as images, as logos, as shapes, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I'll, I'll um, I, I still have the sketches that, that, that I started with and I'll scan them and I'll send them to oh, you. Please do. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's what, that's how it kind of translates. I take everything that you're sharing with me, your, your insights, your thoughts, your stories, and then they turn into just this shape. Cause I remember one of the designs that I did, and I think it's, it's actually one of the final pieces that ended up where uh, I look at the hat, obviously, which is an iconic imagery. Uh, and then just even the way the hat is, is shaped and taking that word, the, the name Hatter Madigan and, and finding the font that is tall mm-hmm. that fits within that shape of that hat. But then the brim of the hat, I remember I sketched it straight, but then took it, taking the concept, like you said, of blades, right? Right. And, and I just did a quick, a, a simple kind of, curvature to share to showcase blades because so, to me again the word blades the word sharp translates into this kind of curvature like a knife mm-hmm. you know so that's how i my brain processes things as i'm sitting with a client or sitting in a boardroom and i'm sketching i'm listening to everybody with their words or sometimes visual and i translate that into these iconographies and that's how the process starts. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, you you're articulating and talking about the piece that was the final, and it was my favorite. And it is, um, you know, it's a it is a hat form, and the blade is a very thin line. So it's it's not a literal hat. It's it's how would you describe it? It's 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 more of a, a design element right? Of those elements you were talking about. And then you put Hatter uh, Madigan in the middle. And so they were stacked on top of each other. However, you did, uh, let's say it was 20. That was one. All the other ones were a long Hatter Madigan on a long line with the H and the M in the middle in some capacity. And, And so... I, I I saw those and some of the combinations and the some of the fonts you used for the H and the M were really cool, but it was a very long uh, uh, logo or or title, and I couldn't figure out how or where I would ever use that. And I just there was one where you had hat, and then you had a little diamond in between, and the H was small and the T got big, and then on the other side it was the uh, it was the T-E-R. And then in the middle was Hatter. And then you had for uh, you had Hatter as a person for the I, for Madigan. Mm-hmm. 
And I really like that one as well. But most of them, I didn't think were workable. Yet, this one, I absolutely loved. So when you're creating something for a client, you have to think, okay, I'm going to create a whole bunch of things and a, a lot of these are not going to work, right? I mean, a lot mm -hmm. of these did not work for me at all because it didn't fit in how I was, what was in my head, even though I didn't know what was in my head. And <laughs> yet when I landed on the one that you, we finalized, it was super obvious. How often does that happen? I, quite, quite often. And, and, you know, uh, it would be interesting to if, if if you have listeners that are are seasoned designers, seasoned uh, uh, creatives, because it's certainly a uh, um, a different or, or I, I don't want to say different, but uh, some designers doesn't necessarily work this way. Where you know some designers kind of can can take a, a client feedback and be like, here are three, or here's two, or here's one that will kind of really encapsulate everything um, and and solve that problem. Where, uh, so it's so a totally different way of working. Uh, and for me, this is how I work because to me, um, and, and I find this, I found success in this with my company and the clients I will work with. And, and when I mean success, I mean relationship, building a relationship. You, as the author, as the creator of this brand, you are the expert of this brand, right? You know, of of your story, of your narrative, of your book series, and me as a creative, as a designer, I am an expert of what it is that I do, and I will by no means never discount your expertise in this. So I want to have this dance with you. Mm -hmm. I want to have this. I want to build this relationship with you, where you know we are going to build this logo this poster this design this whatever project it is we're going to build this thing together right you know uh because i want to lean on your expertise as much as you want to lean on my expertise right. and my and what i bring mm -hmm. to the table and so if that means i'm going to show you things that may or may not live probably not live but at least it shows you what's going on in my head yeah you know, yeah, and, um, and that's that's what we're doing. It's a it's a it's a bouncing back, a, a collaboration, mm -hmm. and I, I absolutely, you know, I love that. And I obviously, I, I'd rather have more choices. Um, I'm going to show you one other that I just that I just pulled up. Oh yeah, that is completely um, now. This for the for the uh, listeners, it's um, Hatter on top, an HM, and Madigan at the bottom. So it's so it's very uh, very much a vertical image, not the horizontal one I was talking about. And that's pretty cool. But to your point, as the creator, I'm not necessarily the expert. I'm just, I have to make the decision because it's my world. So it's like, hey, I like this one. I, this aesthetically is pleasing. The other ones tonally, so, you know, don't fit my eye and where I'm coming from. And it really just falls on me to make a decision. I mean, sometimes with the publisher, the publisher will say, hey, that those are not selling or that doesn't fit for middle grade or we should have something that's a little bit edgier for YA. And, you know, you take into consideration that or they'll, they'll tell you, hey, this is the way we're doing it. But I've always found if I present those partners with something interesting, that usually it does their job for them. And 
I'm looking at the Star Wars uh, behind you and how that logo has lasted for 45 years or whatever it's been and how brilliant that logo has been. And, you know, I I was always looking for something that could test, stand the test of time. And um, I love what we landed on with the hat. That was a deeply satisfying moment. It's like Christmas and you unwrap it. This is exactly what I wanted. Thank you, Santa, Fernando, Santa, for delivering. Well, you know, if I may add to that a little bit, you know, we part, part of the mindset for me when it comes to uh, showing other iteration, other ways, whether it be horizontal or vertical, different orientation of, of an idea, we live in a time, and this has not always been the case, where there are so many different ways to showcase creativity and work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, so I don't know what might inspire you. You might look at a logo and be like, that's not right for the book or for the publication, but man, that would be a killer t-shirt. Yeah. Or man, right. that would be a killer poster. Right. You know? Um, it may not, again, it may not work for, for the book, but it would be a great yeah. thing for a banner, you know? And so to me, and it goes back to that work ethic, I'm not going to leave uh, no stones unturned. I'm going to give you all this because I never know what's going to inspire you and your, and your publishing company, you know, yeah. on what you could possibly use this for. So. And then the next thing that we worked on, which I believe you had a student uh, work on for you was the card soldiers. And I'll just let people know that I was interested, I've been interested in doing a deck of cards with card soldiers for obvious reasons, and that each one of the card soldiers would be represented by each one of the suits and each one of the numbers. So if you had a, you know, two of spades that you'd see a card soldier with two spade um, insignias, and we needed to figure out how the design of that would look. And I came to you. And I believe the person I worked with, who was amazing, she was a student, right? Or mm-hmm. And then she became yeah. an employee? Yes. So um, Amy Johnson. So Amy is great. Yeah, she was a student. Uh, I mean, she went through the whole process of it. She was a student. Um, became part of uh, one of my organization, actually, because I also have a nonprofit agency that works with small local businesses, all pro bono. And it's an opportunity for uh, for students to kind of get their feet wet. And then from there, um, you know, I hired her on into Concept Zombie, uh, did some work with you, did some work with a, a handful of other clients, and now has moved on to be one of the uh, uh, in the design department of Skechers uh, up in L.A. Wow. So it's kind of a nice process that, that I'm able to provide wow, for my fair. students. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me because her her design is very, very elegant. Um, and when you're using these these various suits to create with these card soldiers, you know, she came up with some really spectac- spectacular ideas with, you know, a limited framework to uh, a limited palette, so to speak, to design. But she, I thought it was limited. But then she sent these designs. I was like, oh, it's unlimited, <laughs> um, which is one of the great things of working with some somebody creative in a field that's you know not your expertise. So I'm going to figure out a way to finish this project 
one of those that uh, I started yeah. and haven't uh, haven't had the bam bandwidth to uh, to get through. But um, I really appreciated you putting her on the uh, uh, and I also appreciated the way that we worked together on that because you were very upfront, very clear. Hey, this is one of my you know one of my favorite designers. I'm going to put her on it and I'm going to oversee it. Um, and it worked out really well. So, yeah, it was great. One of the questions I ask um, all my guests is if you were a character from Alice in Wonderland, who would you be and why? Yeah. Well, um, before I answer that question, are you going to ask me my uh, favorite iteration of it? Because I think it's kind of a one two. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, your favorite iteration in pop culture is one of the questions I ask as well. So yeah. if those are tied together, we'll start with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so my fa favorite iteration of it is actually um, The Matrix. Yes. Me too. <laughs> So I, I don't know if you had guests uh, uh, reference that or, or, or no, say that. No, no, it's mine. It's always yeah. mine. <laughs> well, see, another reason why you and I just get yeah. along, man. We're synced up. We're synced up, <laughs> yeah. man. Matrix was one of those movies. I don't know if you remember the, the marketing and advertising for it, yeah. where the, it was, first of all, absolutely brilliant. There was like five different trailers, and none of them explained what it was. Anything. And, and and I remember to this day, like sitting there in the movie theaters with with my wife or maybe girlfriend at the time, you know, wife now. And and about 30 minutes into the movies, we both look at each other and we were like, we have no idea what this movie is all about. still, <laughs> you know, uh, and then the fight scenes came on and she leaned over to me and she's like, you're squeezing my hands too tight because <laughs> I was so into it. <laughs> right. Um, and so like that. I just remember like that was just so interesting. When you so when that question kind of came up as far as my my favorite iteration, that was like hands down yeah. uh pointed it. And and which then leads me to the most relatable character is is Alice mm. and, and and slash Neo. And again, it goes back to that back to as a child of of uh you know, really and I know it sounds like uh, I, I use the word fear a lot. Uh, in, in this conversation, because I, I do, I am very, very cognizant. You know, people can look at the the how I've lived my life, my career path, my creativity, the things that I do. You know, people can easily say, "Man, Fernando, you're so you're so brave, you're so courageous. Like, man, you're just not afraid to take that risk." And if anything at all, no, it's actually fear is so so much mm -hmm. prevalent in it. And, and so, but, it, but in, in, in spite of that, I still do it, right. you know, if anything, in some ways, because of that, I do it, you know? And so the connection with the character of, of, of going into that whole new world meeting all these crazy people right. and characters and building relationships right. to pretty much every single one of them. Right. From the per from the, the people that's helpful to the people that's trying to take off her head, like building relationship yeah. no matter what. Man, I, I I I can't help but relate to that. Right. The, yeah, the reluctant hero and you know trying to survive and are you the person? You know, uh, am I the person I think I am? Who mm -hmm. am I? What is my destiny? And and yeah. am I getting in my destiny right? 
So, mm-hmm. you know, you, br- you do bring up fear a lot. And I know you're a teacher and you've been teaching for 21 years. Um, and you have some, you have some quotes from uh, some of your students. And I've noticed that a lot of your students say that you're a very tough teacher. Uh, and I suppose that brings us to the beginning of this. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, guys. So this is who I am. This is what the real world is like. So I'm going to quote from a couple of your couple of your <laughs> students, because one of them, Justin, said his classes are known for being tough, having people drop out or just give up. But As difficult as this class was, looking back, it was a breeze compared to daily life of someone in the ad business. Is that your idea of boot camp? You are trying to prepare them for the battle of life uh, in the ad business? Uh, Absolutely. Here's here's another addition to Justin Wright. So... So first of all, I keep, I try to keep in touch, again, building a relationship with as many of my students and so on. So Justin is now, I believe his title is the global creative director for 2K, the gaming company. (laughs) Wow. So, uh, Let's talk to him Um, about the Looking Glass Wars game. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So to to answer your question, absolutely. I love this business. I love this industry. I love being a creative um, I've, I've taken on a personal role to to making an impact in this industry uh, and, and an impact in people's lives. And for me, my job as an educator is to teach you, mm-hmm. my students, to do my job. Right, right. Which you know, not everybody's willing to do. They're not willing to the, the you know to hand over the baton to you know, somebody else, they hold a little bit back, they get a little jealous, but doesn't seem like you seem to be an open book in terms of here, here's what it takes. And all these people have gone on and had careers. And uh, you're certainly getting a lot of karmic love. And occasionally, they'll work for you for a while. (laughs) And then they move on. That must be kind of tough. I mean, you're talking about Amy, you know, she's working for you. And then she she's now working at Skechers. How, how do you deal with, you know, how do you deal with them leaving you i i i get to tell you frank i love it yeah um yeah i do i i can relate it back to being as a father i I think you know my wife and i've been very fortunate that we had twins uh we have a boy and a girl Mm -hmm. uh and and every stage of their life when they when they move on to the next stage from crawling to walking to potty train to now moving on to college right there was never a time where we move on to the next stage and I go, hmm, I missed that stage mm. before, you know, because I was fortunate enough. I'm still is fortunate enough to have experienced that with a son and a daughter. Yeah. And so I don't question like, oh, I wonder what that would have been like yeah. with a daughter or a son, you know. Um, and so I, I have the same mindset for everyone, all my students, all my employees. And I guess one can say that's my way of living in the moment, being in the flow as, as a CEO, as a creative director, as a business owner. I love the moments that I have with them. And when they move on, I don't miss it because I loved it at that moment. Right. That's a great way to look at it. Um, I have a son and a daughter as well. And my son is getting ready, you know, next year, he'll be going off to college and, um, 
And it's much different. It's, you know, because he's at an age where he's, you know, very mature. He's going and doing his own thing. So we don't interact as much. And when we do, it's more adult. It's more, it's got its own set of boundaries and meanings and uh, emotions. But, um, you know, he's going to be gone. And then there's going to be a whole nother set of interactions that will be different. We just push forward. Um, but I'm not going to lift you off the hook on this fear thing because there's, um, I have to go back because Mark Edwards said, although he put the fear of God in me, he taught me that fear is nothing but a distraction to what needed to actually be done. Because of his classes, I not only got a great job, which he helped me to get, I continue to push myself to make my work better. I learned to take on fear and make, and it made me work my work all the better, which I think is a pretty remarkable, you know, thing to say. And I'm going to tie it into something else that, you know, Michael Jordan talked about because he said, never say never because limits are like fear are often, they're just an illusion. How great is that? It's just in your mind. It, how often do you wake up in the middle of the night with, I wake up in the middle of the night and I have night terrors about illusions of failure and fear. And then I get up and I have my coffee and I'm like, what, why did I not sleep for an hour about that thing? All I have to do is go to the computer and work my ass off. And that's not going to be, it's going to be okay. Might not be great. It's not going to be terrible. It's not going to be what I thought in the middle of the night. Right. Right. It's just an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it is an illusion, a motivator also. Yeah, it's right? a lot of things. I mean, yeah. sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I solve problems, yeah. you know, creative problems, because, you know, you dream something or you think you dream something or. Yeah, our, our brains are always working nonstop. Yeah. So. so you 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 seem to, um, you know, you, you, you've launched a lot of careers. Uh, people are honest back to you about what you demand of them. And yet when you demand a lot, the people that stick around really appreciate it because it helps, it helps them fly. It helps them soar. That's a, that's a pretty great way to live your life and commentary on who you are as a creative and as a teacher. And, and as you talk about your kids as a dad and ultimately as a man and, uh, I give you a lot of kudos for for that, but mostly I'm super happy about the piece of artwork you created, <laughs> and that uh, and that it lives in my space in my home, and every day I get to enjoy it, and for that alone, uh, I'm very grateful that we uh, we crossed paths in 2015 and uh, and got uh, a chance to chat today. I will give you the last word on uh, what you're working on, what's inspiring you right this minute, and what you hope to accomplish in the future. Yeah. I, I, oh, first of all, yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I'll say my thanks afterwards, but yeah, just to share. So, um, I mean, kind of hot off the press, uh, I actually got picked up to teach at the Santiago Canyon College uh, here in Orange County. Oh, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to continue to teach at Cal State Fullerton University, and um, but I'll be teaching at uh, SCC uh, starting this fall. 
their design uh, classes. So that within itself is really pretty epic because then now I have access to a whole new other community of creatives and designers and problem solvers. So I'm excited to bring everything that I've been doing into that, into that school, into that campus, into that community. They have um, no idea what they're getting, how lucky <laughs> they are. So, <laughs> Well, the fun part about that too, is that they have a small little art gallery. Oh. Uh, and so the chairperson said, Hey, let's do an, oh, let's do a show for you. And this will be your introduction, introduction. to the community. That's brilliant. So, <laughs> yeah. So you'll get, you'll be getting an invitation okay. on that opening, opening night. Uh, that'll be in September. Um, and we can, you know, uh, share that with your readers too, because I, I, I love opening gallery openings. I invite everybody and their grandmother. Absolutely. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then outside of that, um, like I said, still continuing with Cal State Fullerton, continuing to grow, uh, Concept Zombie LLC, um, as, cause I, I gotta keep feeding that because it's a platform for my students to launch pad, mm -hmm. uh, from there. Uh, but also, too, I know we didn't get a chance to talk much about this, but um, continuing on with my nonprofit ad agency called uh, Creative Aid uh, that I started during COVID. It's, a, it's an ad agency that works with small local businesses for their marketing. And what I do is I make that I turn that into um, a project for my internship class. And so the interns get uh, experience working with an actual client the actual clients get a chance to work with students and actually get uh, some content out of that to help their business. So, uh, so that's, so that's, that's happening. Um, and uh, yeah, just continue to do more art. And uh, I, I gotta, I, I have a couple of other things in the, in the, in the brew, brewing in the pot, but uh, I can't wait to share that with you when they finally bubble over. Well, it's really been a pleasure. I, I knew I was going to have a blast doing this with you um, for all of the reasons that we talked about the, the synergy of our, our way of thinking. So um, I want to thank you, Fernando, for taking the time. I, I know it took a little while for us to get this scheduled. Um, we're doing this uh, via Zoom, and it's been it's been great fun. So yeah, I well, I, can I just take the time to say thank you back to you, Frank? I mean, what a privilege for for me to to be able to share my stories with you and your listeners and your audience and your network of people, uh, your readers. I mean, you're talking to a kid from the Philippines. You know, and so it's it's uh, such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. So yeah, thank it's, you. It's uh, it's 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 remarkable that story, uh, immigrating here and what your mom sacrificed and what you ultimately uh, accomplished on, on the shoulders of her imaginative uh, impulse to come to this country and create an opportunity and. And you took you took it and you soared and you continue to soar and let's keep creating let's keep talking and um, I'm gonna finish the card soldier deck uh, sooner than later. That was great. <laughs> All right, brother. Lots of All love. Right. Talk to you later. Yes, Sarah. Thank you. All right. Bye. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo season two based on. The Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is, is it over yet? Reach is f***ing.
fucked. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive? She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. There's the water on this planet. What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew?